Hey guys, and welcome to our new podcast. We're calling it Off Topic, where we talk about everything and nothing at all. My name's Big Mike 1980 on YouTube, Mike, and I'm with my good friend Lord Lockmod. Um, today is just going to be an introductory video to kind of give us a little background of where we come from and how we got to this point in our life. So let's just get into it. Larry, how you doing? Good. How you, Mike? I'm doing well. Um, do you want to kind of just give us a little bit of your background, where you come from, how you got to this point in life right now? I don't know, 2007, 2008, uh, started working at a tower house, started off as an apprentice there. And, uh, I can remember, uh, well, you know, coming down the storeroom and seeing you down there. I yeah. think the first conversation we had is that you, uh, uh, found out that I worked on uh, uh, guitar pedals and amps and things like that, and that you had an old uh, old guitar amp that you was trying to get yep. fixed, and I, and I think you did a lot of cleaning and uh, just uh, working that Dupont shift that uh, we had. That it was always difficult to get back in touch with you. Yeah, I think I, you ended up throwing that thing out. Yeah, I think um, I took it to a few different places, and then I, I, I said, well, this guy works on guitar stuff. This is awesome, because I don't know anything about that. And I let you have it. I think you fooled with it for a couple of days. I got it back, and we just never did quite figure it out. So, yeah, it, it got file 13, didn't it, Rumpke? So. Oh, I got you. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so um, you have uh, – you want to talk about your – college days and all that stuff i remember it was it was kind of funny at first because you didn't you went to school got your degrees in engineering i think it was and then the school closed down so yeah. you was questioning life at that point <laughs> yeah yeah i got my uh, uh electrical engineering degree from uh, or electronic engineering degree from itt tech and then uh i actually started working in the field using my degree uh doing some traveling programming uh, machinery uh, things like that and um, then, you know, being married and having little kids, you know, the road life wasn't, uh, isn't for, you know, a family situation at all. I agree. Um, so that's how I ended up at the powerhouse. And, um, then a few years after being at the powerhouse at, uh, uh ITT closed. And, uh, so it, it was, it, it was pretty comical that, uh, you know, I, I made the joke that, do I even have a degree that if something ever happened at the powerhouse that, you know, it, is it, it valid? To put that on my resume, <laughs> you know, people will be like, oh, that don't exist. You don't even have a degree no more. But they yeah, got my money. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I thought that was pretty comical as well. Um, yeah. That, that was, that was pretty funny, but l luckily for me that, uh, I, I retained the information and, uh, you know, life since the powerhouse has, uh, been a true blessing. And I've still been able to use that. So, so what's life like been since the powerhouse? What are you doing now? Uh, I went back to traveling, and I'm on the road all the time, and I get the, you know, the old saying, "Been there, done that." Well, I get to say I've been there, but uh, definitely don't get to say I've done that. that yeah, absolutely. Too much, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, not but... sending me for vacation, but man, there is some spots I've been to that I. <laughs> Uh, it, it'd be great to go on vacation there. I've seen some pictures. It looks like you've been to some really beautiful places in your travels. Yeah, um, do you enjoy the traveling you? life? Oh, about me? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I I really didn't have any special 
training or anything coming out of high school, I went straight to work and, um, seems like every place I've worked at is closed. I don't know if that's a good omen or a bad omen, but, uh, I ended up at the powerhouse in 2010 and as you, as you mentioned in the storeroom and then, um, worked in the storeroom for, I don't know, four years, I think it was, and had an opportunity to, to move and I moved into the, um, controls department technician however you want to call it i call it electricians whatever because i didn't do i wasn't smart enough to do a lot of technician work i just pulled cables but um, that's where me and you got to really know each other and and take off from there and i worked there in that department till 2018 uh pending closure um had a family i still have it. it's not like they left or anything and I had to provide insurance for them, so I figured my best move was to get out and find a job before 700 people were looking for a job, if you if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, in the same spot. Yeah, so luckily I found a, a transition job into at the hospital working in maintenance, but hospital life just wasn't for me. It's just, um, it's not, you see a lot of people you know, but usually when you see them, they're not there for the social interaction they're they're sick and they don't want to be messed with so wasn't like i could just hang out with them all day so now i moved into the water treatment industry uh, and i enjoy that job for the most part i work alone for most part and i don't have to the only person i have to worry about uh, upsetting is myself so there's no there's no attitude to deal with other than my own if you know what i mean i, I just do my own yeah. thing get get my job done it does make it nice. It really does. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what happened to me over the course of the last 11 years, 10 years, something like that. That's how I ended up here, making podcast videos with, with my good friend, Larry. What about hobbies, Larry? What What do you do for fun other than work? Well, unfortunately, that's the only thing I have time for. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, well, uh, you and I, you know, we, we play guitar and, you know, we got together at one time and we just trying to get something going with that uh oh shoot when was that four years ago five years ago yeah at the earliest five years ago so it's uh, uh so i still do that every now and again uh, there's not much for much time for anything that's why this this podcasing that uh yeah you know it's a, something for us to hang out and and do and i can just throw a microphone in my in my suitcase and, and go with me and uh you know, that gives some, uh, uh, that helps give some of the material, I think, that uh, I can sit and brag about all the nice places that uh, I'm sitting at doing my recording. But then again, and, you know, yeah. I've got a trip coming up to Canada uh, here at the end of January. And hey? I was there at, uh, I was there two years ago on the same exact date that I was traveling uh, oh, wow. this year. Or I'm sorry, 2021. Uh, I, I'm, I'm scheduled to leave January 29th, and that's when I left in uh, 2019. Uh, was January 29th. I went up to Canada, and I believe it was January 30th, the very next day. I went up with a Carhartt coat. Um, you know, it's Canada. I knew it was cold. Yeah. Uh, I go out to start my car, and. Uh, as soon as that door opened that I got hit with a gust of wind that uh, I cannot even explain. Uh, I looked at my phone. It was minus 59 degrees. 
Yeah, um, the the cool air hits different up in Canada, doesn't yeah. it? Oh my goodness! <laughs> that uh, the uh, uh, and and minus fifty nine degrees. That don't matter if it's Celsius or Fahrenheit. Yeah, it's Those really pretty much uh, match up right there at that point anyway. So yeah. it was cold, and I remember. Uh, I can't talk about the uh, facility that I was in. Uh, just oh, due to, that's fine. Uh, you know the the agreement that I have with them, but um, uh, they had an oven uh, there at the facility, and you know the whole time I'm thinking, you know, I can't believe people actually live like this, and and, and they purposely move here. Uh, but you know, it, it was uh, it was refreshing that uh, when I did get to the facility, that uh, everybody was huddled around the oven. <laughs> Yeah, well, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, not work got done that yeah. day. It, it was entirely too cold that we all sat around the oven and and uh, had it. Well, so uh, I'll be going up there again uh, this year to hang out with them guys. Uh, and a funny story that uh, uh, one of the guys, well, actually became good friends with uh, uh, a few of the guys up there at that facility. And uh, uh, they was telling, you know, saying, hey, man, you, you like fishing? And stuff? Yeah, I love fishing. Like we got to go fishing. Well, it didn't dawn on me right right then, and uh, uh, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'll come back up this summer and go fishing. But no, they meant like that weekend while we were off that they wanted to go ice fishing. Yeah, uh, I, I, I had to decline and let them know that that is not for me. Yeah, just gracefully bow out at that point. Right, and uh, so that so that you know they're they're giving me a rough way to go as one probably should when. Uh, you know, I, when someone don't want to partake in, in the fun activities in the area, but, uh, but were they nice the about it? I, what's that? Were they nice about it? You know, it's the common oh, misconception. Canadians Man, are the, they're always nice. the nicest people on the planet. Yeah. That, well, that depends where you're at in Canada. That, uh, uh, Western Canada, they're Americanized like you wouldn't believe. And, and uh, they are pretty rude. Yeah. Uh, out west towards Vancouver and, and, and that. Gotcha. That area. Gotcha. Uh, so, and I think what a lot of it is, is that being right there next to Seattle and, and Washington, that you have so many that's coming and going from the United States. So you don't know if you're really dealing with Canadian or, or, you know, that just makes an angry sense. American. Yeah. Border towns are always like, I guess it would, wouldn't matter if it was so much there or, or Michigan or Montana, you know, right there across the, the Michigan the is where they sent angry Canadians. I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got that in my interactions with some Canadians on the internet. It's uh they're good people. They, they, but they are, aren't afraid to tell you what they think. Right. Um, when you mentioned the, the oven and everyone hovering around it, for some reason I got this mental picture of um, about 30 homeless people around a barrel in New York. <laughs> That's, that, that's kind of that's kind of what it was, but this was a multi million dollar oven that was uh, <laughs> cooking product. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. What made Larry decide to play guitar? Uh, Metallica. That's uh, that's about as simple as it gets. That uh, I remember being young and and uh, you know I went through a couple different phases of different music uh, music that I listened to on the regular and. Uh, you know, uh, early '90s Metallica. I remember the Black Album was the first album that I actually owned. Uh, I, I do remember that. Wore that. Great album. Yes, it, yes, it was. Uh, I, you know, I wore that album out, and then uh, 
uh, I remembered that the second album that I got was Master of Puppets, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, some of the songs off the Master of Puppets album uh, uh, sounded familiar. Yeah, and uh, it, it took me a minute to uh, uh, I figure it out. But my dad had that cassette tape that we he played in his uh, in his vehicle all the time, and that's what uh, that that's where I had heard it from. I just didn't know who it was. That's awesome. Uh, but uh, that's what got me playing guitar. What got me really big into music, um, well, obviously my dad was, you know, it was a heavy influence. You know, his his record collection, you know, ended up being my record collection, um, you know, listening to the same things that he listens to. Um, yeah. Mine branched off a little bit more. Uh, and, and having kids of my own now, I see how, that happened and how he didn't keep up with the Joneses because I can't tell you half of anybody that's out anymore, but my kids know every one of them. And, uh, you know, I, I stopped at the nineties. So, uh, uh, but uh, what, what got me into music and, and I, that, uh, uh, I want to say it was 90, 91, uh, something like I was nine, 10 years old. And, uh, and temple of the dog, uh, uh, released uh, it, it, their first album, which come to find out was their only album. Uh, was that the tribute album? Yeah, that was the tribute album to yeah. uh, uh, to Chris Cornell's um, uh, roommate and, and one of his close friends, and he was a singer of, uh, of the band Mother Love Bone, and that's yep. how we ended up with Pearl Jam. Exactly. Uh, but uh, uh, but their song uh, "Say Hello to Heaven." I remember hearing that on the radio and this was sometime after it had come out because I believe hunger strike was the first uh, single that come off of that. But I remember getting cold chills down my spine, um, mm-hmm. listening to the say hello to heaven. And that's what kind of got me, you know, hooked in, into music that, that, that was the first time I actually, I, I can remember having a, a feel towards uh, music, feeling something that I was listening to. I, uh, I totally so to get that. I totally get that. Anything, early nineties grunge that, that speaks to my soul. That's just what I grew up in, in that genre right. of music. And, and no matter where I go in my music travels, I always come back to that as a, as a resetting point, if you will, of like, right. where do I want to go? What am I doing? Uh, what songs do I want to learn this week? And I'm, and I hit a roadblock. It's always cue up some, um, Pearl jam or, cue up some green day or, or Nirvana and, and go from there, which right. at this point in, in our musical adventures, if we haven't at least tried to play every Nirvana song ever, pl- ever made, then, then, you know, what are we doing with our lives? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Are we even trying? You no know, kidding. Uh, <clears throat> let's go back to our working days together. Um, I know we talked about this several times, how we're going to bring this subject matter up. And, um, you want to talk about one of the probably the most interesting things that ever happened to me and you personally at the uh, at the power plant. I like I like to yeah. let you t- I like to let you tell the story because I just sit back and reflect and I will interject a little bit of my self comedy into that story in, in right, different parts. Right. Well, the anniversary actually. Uh, yes, it is coming up. Uh, January tenth uh, will be the uh, what fourth anniversary? I believe so. Yeah. Right. That uh, I remember uh, uh, you and I. And uh, Dylan. Dylan. Can't forget about yeah. Dylan. 
Yeah, can't forget about Dylan. That is probably He's, the most beautiful man that anybody will ever meet in their entire life. And he is the key part to my uh, comical interlude here in a moment. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. I, I do know where you're going with this. Oh, shoot. Okay, so so they got us working on lighters on, uh, on uh, Unit 1. This was the four-unit. Uh, powerhouse each one uh, producing about 600 megawatts each and uh we had a new lighter system that went in on units one and two and it was scheduled to get new lighters on three and four uh, there was some talk about you know the plant getting shut down uh, there's some political stuff going in that um you know coal-fired power plant you know is no no good uh, even and, and though not to get too technical with it but we you know kind of we, the boiler is what heats the coal dust to make the fire, to heat the water, to, to pump the steam, to turn the turbine, in, in a nutshell, right. layman's terms. And what we were doing was actually working on the ignition source to light the coal. So people right. would like to say, the what's igniters, you know? Because you're going to have people ask, well, what's that stuff, you know? What are you talking about? And I'm, right. uh, You know, yeah. just to kind of get a so brief. I think we're out there working on big lighters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with, with propane yeah. and the lighter, you know? Yeah, no, no, that, that, this was, uh, you know, the fuel going in and then obviously you had the, uh, air mix, yeah. uh, uh, coming in from the fans and then, uh, the coal and then, you know, the lighters lighting the fuel. And then, uh, once they start blowing the coal in, that would, uh, you know, catch on fire. And then after the fire got going inside the boiler, then they could turn the lighters off or the, uh, I'm showing you and Dylan how to, um, check Dude. them out on yeah. the, uh, 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 on the laptop that we had the laptop hooked up um uh, had an issue with one of them so we went out to uh i remember it was the f lighters uh, which would have been on the back side of the boiler up at the top yep so it, you couldn't just walk out there that you had to walk out go go outside of the uh, uh boiler room uh go up some steps and then go you know up on a landing up and behind the boiler um, to get to those uh, igniters and uh, we went up there checked them out and uh, if I'm thinking correctly that one of the uh, uh, photo eyes or the flame eyes that mm -hmm. detected that a flame was there wasn't in all the way yeah and uh, that's what our issue was so we put that in and we walked right back down the three of us and we walked back into the ARP room and the ARP mm -hmm. room uh, it was just uh, just an acronym for auxiliary relay panel that, uh, you know, PLCs, uh, what I program now that they kind of took place of relays, but these are huge cabinets with relays that basically the, uh, the brain of, uh, everything inside the powerhouse. Yep. We get back in there and, uh, I know I was a, a line leader there and, uh, check the uh the screen to see what everybody else was seeing to make sure that it was showing right that we had uh the laptop that was hooked up was showing us one thing and i was double checking mm -hmm. that we were picking up flame uh on our actual uh screen that way the control room operator could see it and i i remember uh the door closing and uh, as the door closed i was just turning the corner there of one of the uh, art cabinets and then just the entire place started shaking and the lights went out and uh, 
uh, you you know I couldn't even stand up on, on my own that I you know started I had to catch myself on the uh, uh, table where the uh, uh, computers were sitting. Yep. So I had no clue what was going on. Yeah, I remember we were coming back down from that uh, burner deck, and uh, me and Dylan were walking in tandem, and he looks over to our right, and where the subject or the suspect high pressure heater is what it's called it and it was blowing a lot of steam out and he looked at me and said look at that that's a lot of steam uh, and you know just as a general kind of conversation it's like sarcastically look yep sure is and we went back in the building didn't pay no more attention to it than that you know and then as soon as that door shut behind dylan as you said the the building got dark and the floor rolled under your feet and yeah. No, no one that hasn't never seen me before, you know, I'm, I'm not a little kid. I'm about six foot tall, 320 pound. And it yeah. threw me. Big yeah. It threw me about six feet into those ARP cabinets that you were talking about. Thankfully, the doors were shut because that's uh, some of that's 120 DC and that's deadly. And if I had landed in a cabinet, it probably would have electrocuted me. But um, thankfully, they weren't they weren't open. But I was kind of just kind of lost at that point. I didn't know what, what the hell was going on. It was dark. You couldn't see anything. I didn't, I didn't know whether to holler for somebody or just sit there until somebody come and got me. And fortunately Dylan, he said, you okay? I was like, yeah, let's get out of here. And that's when we seen you coming around the corner. When I say, see you, we heard you because you couldn't see anything at that point. No, you couldn't see uh, anything. Yeah. I remember that we had a little train going on that, uh, and they didn't know yes. what were going on. And I heard something about a secondary explosion. And I was like, well, it's probably time to leave at that point. But we didn't know where to go. That is our cue to get out of there. Yeah, because uh, you walk out the door and we had, they give us, they issued us these really powerful little flashlights that really shined the room up. But I remember pulling mine out to go see. And I couldn't see even through, even with that powerful flashlight, all the dust and coal dust. And you could not see anything. But the, the funny part. Ten years. Yeah, Go ahead. 10 years of uh, going back and forth up through those units that uh, you, you that, get an act for the, the layout. That, right. Yes. That, that was the only thing that, uh, uh, that helped me guide through there was uh, knowing where everything was at. So or, or in, hoping where everything was still at. Yeah. In, in the mass panic that was ensuing, um, I heard you and Dylan discussing your escape plan. And I was kind of, I was kind of one of those that were dumbfounded at first, didn't really know what to do. So you're talking about getting out of there, which was a good plan. You and Dylan kind of, Dylan pulled his hard hat off and was, and pulled a respirator out of it and put it on his face. And it was said, let's go. And I thought, you know, that's a good plan. So I pulled my hard hat off and I looked down in my hard hat and I was like, where's my standard issue hard hat face mask? Cause it's not here. <laughs> Right, it was like the the, the, the airplanes that when cabin pressure changes, these respirators just drop out of your hard hat. Yeah, and mine didn't have one, and I was I was ready to call the company and file a complaint with the manager. But <laughs> right, we're not even gonna get out of there safe. You ordered your respirator right then and there. So at that point, I was confused whether I should even leave because I have no respirator. You guys are pulling them out of every orifice known to man, and I have nothing. So. So I decided to do the old shirt over the nose tactic and I run right. out because you two had done gone at this point. You done made your decision and, and booked it. And I was like, I'm going to hang out here for a minute and see if I can find one of these respirators laying around. And uh, 
there wasn't any. So I leave and I start heading towards the steps and I say, oh, there's the elevator. And then about the time I hit the button for the elevator, I realized, you know, there's no power, you idiot. Right. So the elevator wasn't going to help me. So I go downstairs, finally make it down there. And kudos to uh, Harry. All his emergency lighting was working properly in that situation. We always thought he was just messing around and screwing off. But he, <laughs> we he, thought he was just crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, but actually he was performing job duties, and kudos to him for keeping the, the area lit for us. But – I get down to the bottom of the steps and I'm still kind of, do I want to go left or right? Because left takes me out the main entrance where there's still kind of power, uh, high pressure heaters running and things. And I'm thinking, is that even safe at this point? So I make a, a hard right to go back to our shop, not knowing the condition of our shop at this point. So I take about three steps and I'm like, this doesn't feel accurate. My whole knee was soaking wet. From uh, I mean, and it's the level floor for the most part, but there was three foot of water standing there. Right. So I was like confused because it was kind of warm. It felt kind of nice, really, because it was January and it was cold. But I was thinking at the same time, this is probably not a good thing. I didn't know above me there were pipes and beams all uh, torn and tattered and, and jagged edges hanging around. Absolutely. You know, right. Yeah, it, I didn't know. Yeah. It could have fell right on you. Was. Absolutely. For what I mean, nobody was killed, thankfully. Yeah. A few people had minor injuries. Uh, I think a total of five mm-hmm. were taken to the hospital to be checked out and released the same day. Yep. Uh, but all in all, that it looked like a third world country uh, that had been ravaged by a bomb. It did. Uh, it looked terrible. Uh, going, you know, going through there, especially when the dust had settled, and uh, uh, going back in, you know, I got sick to my stomach going back up to the uh uh the igniters where we were at mm-hmm. um you know we're, we're talking less than two minutes uh had we been up there you know the back wall uh mm-hmm. that was on there was completely blown off yeah uh, it it makes you think is, absolutely that there one of the three of us you know we one of us could have been killed or you know definitely the three of us would have been severely injured, I think, because with the way the wall was blown out of there, I'm only led to believe that it would have pushed us over the ledge that the wall was blown off of. And, and you're looking uh, at anything, it. If the blast didn't hurt us, then the fall uh, oh, yeah. onto the grating that was, I don't know, 10, 15 feet down, uh, that would have, that, that definitely would have mm-hmm. uh, secured us a, a trip in an ambulance. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, just the the pictures that you see after the and was, which we got to see more than the pictures of course because we worked there but the aftermath especially when you have to go and supply because that was the main supply for most of the buildings was those main buses were right there and they supplied coal handling they supplied um, auxiliary buses down down on other units I mean you have to go in there and work so even after the fact to make sure everything's operational. So when you walk down through there and you see all this mangled mess and just think like days before you were working on those, uh, you were working on drips and dumps. You might be working on the heat, the, the valves that are right there right. on that unit. And to know that when you're working on them and they're running at any possible moment, they could just blow. And if you're standing underneath of it, it's, it's bye bye bluebird. It's over. There, there's not even a question of an open or closed casket at that point. Right. Absolutely. It does make you think, and it makes you think, you know, about like what you said, where we was at on the burner deck. If we had went up there just five minutes later to check that, 
what if we had just been joking around and just said, oh, we better go up and do this now instead of going when we did because we got back in the right. building just in the nick of time. Right. Yes, that it couldn't have been more than two or three seconds after that door had latched closed. And luckily that was one of them doors that locked because I, I think that the, the force that come there on the uh, turbine deck where it was, is that the, the force alone that would have hit the door would have been enough to... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just like you say, just the, the the force, the impact of not just the explosion, just the force of the explosion was enough. Well, if you remember correctly, um, one of our coworkers, uh, Mike Manley, rest his soul, um, he got thrown back into a room. He walked out just the explosion, hitting it threw him back into the room. Yeah, he was coming out of the elevator shaft off of Unit 1. Yep, threw him right back into it. That explosion had that much force; it just blew him right back in there, and and he, I think he was actually, you know, he missed work a few days because of that. Because I mean, it was an right. injury; he actually had an injury. I mean, take it with a grain of salt. He played right. bass. You know, anybody that can play that plays bass is a glutton for punishment. Anyway, you got to have bass players, but <laughs> you know, right? Well, he he act, technically he was a drummer, and and he still was a drummer. And the only reason why he moved to bass and singing was because his Gino. brother was a drummer as well. Yeah, Gino yep. was a drummer. Yeah. And uh, they wanted to play in a band together, and they couldn't think of a way to have two drummers. So, so <laughs> yeah. Mike decided to, to, to play bass uh, because he had already been, as all, he, uh, you know, talking to him, that he had always been interested in bass and guitar. And he played a little bit of guitar, too, that I can remember mm-hmm. uh, a couple times going and hanging out with him after work. Uh, we just jammed on some songs. He played mm-hmm. bass, sang, uh, played guitar. Uh, so we just had a good time. Yeah, he's like I say, I got to work with him there towards the end before I left uh, when I had to go to DuPont for a while. And working with Mike was it was a trip because you know we we get our stuff done and then um, we just chill and talk or or if it was nighttime we we we'd rest. I just put it that way. We'd rest for a few hours on end until. Right. Tell Roger holler for us, but everybody knew what was going on. It was that's the thing. That's why I like that job so much is that you know everybody knew what they needed to do, and we got what we done, what we needed to, and nobody really said too much about anything else. You know, there wasn't. It was laid back, but everybody knew the uh, the dangers involved in what we done, and and all the things that could come up. So it was as like, as good, and it not to mention. It, it paid pretty good too, you know. That was I, I like that story. I like to talk, every time we get a chance to talk about that. It, it always makes me laugh. Now it's good right. that we can. It's good that we can talk about it now and laugh. Right. right. One of my uh, one of my favorites um, uh, of that whole story is that when we got when we finally got downstairs and we seen you know we could see daylight. <coughs> uh, uh, that I decided to go upstairs to make sure that nobody was laying upstairs or anything like that that and uh i remember walking into the offices and uh by this time everybody had done cleared out of the building um and is standing outside at a safe distance Mm -hmm. and uh and and i I go into the uh, office that was upstairs above where our shop is Mm -hmm. and eddie grooms comes walking out Eddie. and he's rubbing sleep out of his eyes yeah and 
he said, what was it? He said, did something just happen or whatever? I was like, yeah, there's an explosion. Get out of here. So he slept through the whole thing. I'm not and- surprised. <laughs> so he must have had a rough night uh, beforehand uh, because he slept through this whole thing, which I do not. I mean, this it rattled everything. Oh, yeah. He, got like- up, he didn't know. What about so um, his laugh about that? I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually forgot about this until you just brought up what other people were doing. Um, <laughs> I remember when we were in the aftermath, they they finally cleared us to go get our stuff out of the locker room. And um, you remember Corey Green? Yeah, he was um, he was getting rid of lunch that, at that point. He was um, yes, and, and yes. It, it, the explosion happened while he was sitting on the porcelain convenience and he didn't know what to do. Cause it got dark like instantly. And, uh, I said, well, how do you, how did, what'd you do? And he's like, well, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't see. So I didn't know if I was going to be clean enough to, to make the adventure outside. So I just give myself a wedgie and went on with it. <laughs> so, not only did he, he have to he have to poo, he didn't get to clean up. He didn't get to do his paperwork, so <laughs> <laughs> he just uh, he manned up and pushed his cheeks together and just walked out like a man would do. <laughs> That's right. Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did too until you started talking about Eddie. I was like, oh my God, what about Corey and his dirty ass? <laughs> I like talking about this story. It's great. Um, now, in the future, what we'll try to do, me and you've talked about this, we're going to try to keep these to 30 minutes or less. Um, but, you know, the first one, the introductory, it's kind of hard to get everything out you want to talk about in 30 minutes because the stories are just too damn funny not to elaborate on. And um, so I know we've talked about it. So won't you tell the people what our topics of conversation are going to be based around? Now we're going to we're going to be off topic a bunch. That's why I thought off topic would be a good name for this. But um, what what we do got, you th- yeah, well, talk about the similar it? Similar interests that we have is uh, you know sports, especially football, uh, uh, music, video games. Uh, you, you know things that interest us will be the uh, uh, the main topic for. Uh, each episode but you know the tangents and and the whole thing if we're going off topic that it's hard telling what funny story or yeah um you know what you know one minute you know we talk about music and almost dying together uh in the same podcast this go around so you know it's really hard uh telling where we're gonna end up by the end of it but you know we'll always try to bring it back around that uh, uh if anything if you know people's listening for our funny stories and they can get a good laugh then you know yeah. uh, i'm happy with that and, and that's another thing too we leave we're going to leave this open to comments and suggestions you know if there's something like in the in the realm of those topics of course that you want to us to talk about, or you have a question for one of us about something. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's, maybe you need a, a guitar tech tip, and and Larry's full of those. Um, that would that you know ask the questions, and we'll try to incorporate that into each each episode if we get enough interest that way. At the end of the day, this is a hobby. This is something me and Larry are doing for fun, and hopefully, you know, people find interest in it, and 
they want to join us each week so they can listen to our funny stories, our tangents, or what we just think about what's going on in that subject matter for the week. You know, that's that's the goal. I mean, as long as me and Larry's having fun, we're going to keep doing this. And, and really, to me, I mean, it'd be great to have a, a, a bunch of listeners and a bunch of people come back each week. But if I'm just having fun talking to my friend, that's good enough for me. Probably, probably shut this one down for this week. Um, well, I don't know what. What do you think the turnaround is going to be for each episode? We're going to try to put I'd one like up to do one every two every weeks. Other week. Yeah, 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 every two weeks. Because <clears throat> with your schedule and my schedule to get lined up, it might take a couple of weeks to get a day where we're both lined up right. to do something. Yeah. So, all right, Larry. Thanks for your time. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for the funny stories. Um, Absolutely. It's good talking to you again, brother. It was. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so we're going to say that's this episode of Off Topic. Um, stay tuned for the next one. And um, y'all have fun out there. <laughs>